0: Hello friends, you are listening to Worst Show Ever. I'm CJ Boyd, your host. I'm here with Abby Walensky. We are in Ashland, Oregon. Partner, Matthew's here. Abby is sitting in a massive beanbag chair that I just heard her refer to as the love sack, which is my new favorite word. I've known Abby a long time. Um, I haven't seen you in a little while. Uh, since you moved to Oregon, really. Which is how long now? Four years. Four years. Uh, we met in Brooklyn, many years ago and we just discovered that we went to school in Nashville at the same time. I went to grad school at Vanderbilt and you were an undergrad at Vanderbilt and um, we were talking a little bit. I'm not going to give a lot of lead into this but you were a little bit on the fence about whether or not to talk about it's not exactly where a show there's, it sounds like there's a lot, a lot of ins a lot of outs, a lot of what have you's so I'm, I'm very curious to hear.
1: Yeah. Um, I was being hesitant because I'm recently trying to see more than one side of an equation okay and so this has been in my mind a worst experience ever but now i'm kind of viewing it as a learning experience and kind of a product of the energy that you put in to an experience okay but my experience of it at the time was contained some misery and angst
0: <laughs> okay gotcha um
1: so this was a tour that I helped to put together, and I uh, put a little emphasis on helped because I might have even said at the time that the tour wouldn't have happened if I hadn't um, been a driving influence. Okay. So I felt pretty important in in making this whole thing happen. Okay. And was really excited about it. We had a whole online fundraising thing that afforded us enough to rent a minivan oh. for all of us. Yeah,
0: okay. And what's what's the band? Or...
1: I'm not going to say.
0: Okay, good to know. Um, it's up to you. It
1: doesn't exist anymore. Okay. Um, but Don't it, try to Google I really, it. <laughs> yeah. um, I really enjoyed the music of the band. I really enjoyed the music that the band leader wrote, and I was really passionate about providing some motivation for the whole project, which I felt like had a lot of creative input, but not a whole lot of motivation and drive. So that's what I felt like I contributed. And then when the tour went on its way, well, first of all, in the van, um, we had all of our gear. We took out the middle seat of the minivan, stacked all of the gear, floor to ceiling,
0: so all of gear for how many people? What's what's five people. Five people. Keyboard,
1: drums, like a slim drum set, slim down drum okay. set, bass, guitar, violin, amps, um, in the center of the minivan, and then three people squished in the back seat of the minivan, gotcha, <laughs> at shouting towards the front, <laughs> because there was a wall of gear in between us. So it was pretty, pretty cramped. Um yeah. And, uh, well, I just had been feeling like um, I was really excited to get going on this tour, and so was everybody else. But like once we got going, um, there was no cohesiveness in the group. Okay. And so everybody was just kind of like, let's see what happens. Yeah. And I was like that's not how it works
0: <laughs> we're you, all
1: in one car
0: <laughs> what do you what, what's an example of something that what do you mean where people would say let's see how it goes
1: um when are we gonna eat next okay. I don't know let's just see what happens
0: okay <laughs>
1: <laughs> what are we gonna do when we get to town I don't know let's just see what happens so right. that's that's another part that I've been seeing recently is that I'm working on is I was getting my Freewheeling um, blockage poked at, like I'm not. I don't really go with the. I hadn't really been going with the flow in my life, and I think uh, that's, I that's a mean. pretty, you know, staple of rock and roll tours. And going well, with the flow. I will, I will
0: say it really <laughs> varies, and I I think the most important thing, and there's so many ways in which on this show I've talked about how band dynamics are like a relationship. They are a relationship where as long as you're able to communicate your needs you can kind of have almost any set of needs as long as they're compatible with the people that you're with and you're able to communicate them. But most people are not either able to communicate them. Yeah. And then if you're not able to communicate them, good luck having a relationship with other people that have either the same needs or at least complementary needs. Yep. And that's... I I think I've met lots of people who are much less go with the flow and sometimes it means they're miserable on tour. Or sometimes it just means they're really clear about what they need. And then it's fine. I mean, if you say, look, I'm not sleeping on some nasty bachelor's couch. Yeah. Like, if we're going on tour, it means we're going to be put up in places with real beds. And if that's your need, then you need to know that beforehand so you don't get on tour and find out... The first night of tour like oh actually you are sleeping on some, In fact, there's not even a couch you're sleeping on the floor you know sorry that's all yeah. digression no but
1: I agree because the communication part was definitely one thing I was fixated on right and being in the back seat with the wall of <laughs> <laughs> gear in between you and the person yeah. driving was not really helping and right. then everyone in the band was very passive Okay. Not even passive aggressive, just passive. very yeah. passive, yeah. very much conflict avoiding. Like they are all, they were all willing to just have a good time as they were, yeah. and I was a vegetarian, and we were touring in some of the southern states that are not as friendly for my diet. Also, I felt kind of like pride about showing these people who had only bad things to think about the South that okay. I could show them a really good time. Right. And you're and from like, Tennessee. I'm from Tennessee. Right. We were going to Virginia and North Carolina and Georgia and yeah. Tennessee and just to some of my favorite venues and to some of my favorite places. And uh,
0: I'm assuming felt, the band was based in New York. These were New Yorker yeah. New Yorker folks? Um,
1: yeah, yeah, New Yorkers. Like yeah. people who moved to New York to, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> to be in a band.
0: <laughs> I guess I just need... They weren't from the south, I'm guessing. No, no, they were, not
1: from the south. They weren't
0: from New York originally, but they were Yankees. Right.
1: Yeah, so I had my hopes up cuz I had planned a pretty pretty nice. Then other people helped plan it too, but I had filled in a lot of gaps and
0: You booked lot, the best shows.
1: Lot, <laughs> yeah, and a lot of my friends just one of the things I really liked was the the southern hospitality thing, yeah. how like I'm sure you find that all across the country in DIY scenes where like if everybody's used to putting on their own shows and they're also used to host finding places to host bands but yeah you know I just wanted to show everybody a good time and basically as the week went on I felt like people weren't even listening to the sentences that I said like they actually weren't even hearing them I would like say something and then like an hour later somebody else would say it as if it were the first time it was said and
0: can I ask were all of the other people in the band Men, yes, that sounds like a thing men would do. Yeah, they were, (laughs)
1: and they're very, very nice guys. And there was a huge communication block. Yeah, I had a very fiery, masculine way of communicating, and they had a very passive, feminine way of existing. And they were taking the lead from their masculine tendencies of like they just have always been allowed to take leads in okay. the directions that they want, and not really listening to things I had to say and uh, my input once, once the tour got going.
0: I think I know what you're saying. I don't know if I personally agree with this way of characterizing things, but we don't have to like, argue about it, but when you characterize their way of existing as feminine, you just mean because it's passive.
1: Um, well, I guess I more mean like yin and yang. Yang being fiery, active, usually paired with the masculine energy, and yin being the nurturing, um, like, not like more still, kind of pensive energy.
0: Yeah. Okay. So,
1: you could take that interpretation. I mean,
0: I don't believe in that personally, but you do, and that's not a thing we have to get into. I get politically why. Men and like patriarchal systems have usually associated activity with men mm-hmm. because they were in charge, they were in power mm-hmm. and that's that's what mm-hmm. you do when you're in power is you say we're the we're the ones who are active, but I know what you mean. yeah uh, yeah
1: and I was really um something that I have been working on recently, which is making me feel like this was more of a learning experience than like worst tour ever, yeah, is that i was trying to match what i thought was masculine energy by being fiery and pushy and more aggressive instead of just being firm and strong and clear i just kind of put my own put my own filter on it to to be like more received by ears that i you know i was just assuming a lot of things about how i would be best received right I didn't have that insight then. I was just on like autopilot.
0: Well, so this is part of why I'm fascinated by this is because we were talking a little bit before I started recording about this. There's all this work that you're doing now and thinking about things differently, and so you're interested in looking at the story now as you see it now, not as you might have. You probably would have told the story different five years ago. Oh, and I have. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Which I think that's awesome, and I get that. I'm also, personally, uh, individually, I am invested in calling out sexism when I hear it, when I see it. And maybe a question is, do you feel like they were just not hearing you because of the wall of gear? Or were they not hearing you because they were not good at listening to women?
1: Well, I definitely think it was because they're not good at listening to women. Okay, But I'm now I'm thinking that Well, I've noticed that there's always something that starts an issue that's a real thing. Mm -hmm. And then the way you behave after it either fans the flames or allows you to take a step back. And I kept pushing. Right. So it's like they were initially not very good at listening to me in general. Yeah. And I just kept pushing harder and harder and getting louder and more aggressive, which triggered... They're all very similar guys in the sense that um, they're very... Well, I've already said passive, but just did not like conflict a lot. Right, right. And, and I was just very... I didn't view it as conflict. So if they had misinterpreted what I was doing as trying to start conflict... Okay. And then I'm pushing harder... Yeah. Then they might be thinking, well, this is just more conflict. So, so I'm s- empathizing more with their side because if they were not aware... Of my feelings yeah. and I couldn't uh, clearly communicate with them then yeah. I could see how I fanned the flames
0: can we maybe get an example is there anything that comes to mind of like a thing where you feel like you said something they didn't hear it and then that made you frustrated or, or yeah insist we, went harder? To,
1: we went and had a show in Asheville North Carolina yeah and it was really really awesome we shared the stage with a friend of mine's band that's still going really strong in Asheville. Sirius B, and they have a really nice um, fan base and and they're involved in their community. And so they had this whole evening that they booked so that we could open for them. Yeah. And you know we, I guess we stayed with maybe somebody in my band's relatives, so I didn't really hook the whole evening up. But I felt like. Asheville was a really special place to me. Yeah. There's some really beautiful mountains and waterfalls. And um, I had just mentioned at some point on our way there that I wanted to go see some waterfalls. And I also was going to go play some music with a friend on my own. And um, then that night at the show, everybody's getting carried away with their spirits. And, right. <laughs> um, <laughs> and somebody, one of my bandmates just runs up and is like, Hey, we found this dude who's going to take us this really awesome waterfall tomorrow. Woo. And I just felt like I just effing told you that that was my plan. But okay. You know, like that kind the of thing. The same
0: waterfall. Like,
1: yeah. Like I have maybe the same waterfall, but maybe like there are a lot of them. I wouldn't care which one. Right. But they're like, we're going to do it tomorrow morning when i had told them i was going to be playing music with my friend and so i was like okay whatever you can just do it because you haven't been listening to me all week i'll just let you guys do your thing their plans fell through they didn't actually get around to going to seeing the waterfall and so they asked me where it was but i'm in the back seat and can't see the map and don't know how to tell them which you know i don't know how to direct the car from there I kind of had this feeling of like well if you wanted my input I was giving it to you freely yesterday when we could have planned out this this trip and um, I just having all these memories it just makes me want to laugh really hard because I was taking myself so seriously I was just like so on one but we, we were on the Blue Ridge Parkway and they ran out of Gas.
0: <laughs> oh, man. That, that sucks.
1: I was just That's thinking, like, one. you guys are just idiots. Like, you can't even get this together. I was just, like, fuming. Yeah. And they're like, let's just appreciate the view. <laughs> and so we get out of the car, and they, like, lay out a blanket. And it is really beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> it's really awesome. Yeah. We're just on the parkway, and... And, well, we didn't completely run out of gas. We just got to a point where we couldn't go on to see the waterfall or else we would have run out of gas. Okay. So it's like, we have to turn around now or else we're going to run out of gas. Yeah. So, okay. like, to that's, them... that's a little better. That, yeah. yeah, it's a little better. In my mind, we completely ran out of gas and we're stranded. But in actuality, we just got to the point where the, the, the fuel light was on. It's like, well, You're we like, have to turn around.
0: We should probably find gas. We, yeah, yeah. And
1: there were no gas stations and you know, in several miles, especially not after you get on the Blue Ridge Parkway, so yeah. they were just sitting there enjoying their beautiful, or, in yeah, in my mind, they're enjoying their beautiful view. I'm sure they're just like, what is wrong with this girl? She's just fuming, yeah. and I couldn't really communicate to them what my issue was, but um, we got to Nashville, and I slapped the lead singer in the face <laughs> which was the culmination of me not being able to express um it was also a series of mis- misinterpretations i just um we were at my friend's show on our night off we we're at my friend's show um and she was doing really awesome and i just maybe i misheard him but They were talking about how they've been in so many places over the past few nights, they might as well be in the middle of nowhere. And I was like, motherfucker, you're not in the middle of nowhere. you were in Nashville, Tennessee. (laughs) 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 And I just slapped him in his face. And uh, he was very upset about that. And um, sulked and went and got a Dr. Pepper or something (laughs) around the corner and... Uh, I'm sure it really I think to them it felt like it came out of nowhere and to me it felt like it was just everything had been leading up yeah. to this moment yeah and then I started my period so it a lot of things made sense Okay, <laughs> <laughs> maybe like the next night yeah
0: now when you said it it felt like uh, this is the culmination I don't know if you're going to remember this, but would you say that you were, like, looking for a reason to slap him at that point? Like, were you, had you thought of, like, mm. if you say one more goddamn thing, <laughs> or mm. did it come out of nowhere for you? It came out of
1: nowhere for me. Okay. Uh, okay. It came out of the whiskey bottle. Okay. Uh, which I don't really drink that much anymore. Okay. I didn't drink too much at the time, but um, when you're on tour and everyone's having a good time and... Everybody's having drinks. You just have drinks if you drink alcohol. And okay. so it's like, I wasn't getting really drunk every night, but I right. had a couple of drinks yeah. every night. And this was my town. I spent five years living in Nashville, and yeah. I was so glad to be back. And um, when I just heard, man, we might as well be in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> I just kind of had a little defensive thing. Yeah. But before that, I had not really had any physical urges to slap anyone or hurt anyone (laughs) maybe just to like grab them by the shoulders and scream in their face kind of like will you listen to me now
0: yeah
1: um which they probably wouldn't they probably would have just shut down and like oh i'm being attacked (laughs) so um yeah i think that that was the final outward straw and then the the final inward straw was when we got to cincinnati and i heard the I'm sorry you can't have anything at our restaurant. We could make you a salad for yeah. like the 15th time. Yeah, That's when I cried. And that's when I got the sympathy, which has been another theme in my life, hmm. which is like, you don't respect the outward fiery, like taking the bull by its horns energy. But when I show my feminine side and I'm weepy and teary about something, Then you can kind of pat me on the back and say, "Oh, it's okay. What's your problem? We have time to listen to you now." Okay. Which was, um, I was just like, "Whatever. I don't, I don't even care about you guys anymore." But I had a great night that night. It was kind of like this, the fiery explosion before the cycle, and then when the cycle starts flowing, then there's like the emotional.
0: Yeah. How long was the tour? Do you know? Just two weeks. Just two weeks. Yeah. And so this was already. Towards the end.
1: Yeah. And we had shows every night except for one. So it was pretty busy driving and playing every night. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's hard. I'm just thinking about how in general... I've had this this kind of conflict come up lots of times where somebody on on tour wants to do... I'd say like extracurricular activities. Mm -hmm. And on the one hand, of course, especially when you're only touring for a couple weeks... Of course you want to see some things other than the venue um it can be really tricky depending on your drive times and what you know distances you have to traverse and what how early you have to load in and things sometimes it can be tricky to like find the time and i've definitely had some situations where that's a conflict where somebody wants to hey can we go to this thing and no we kind of can't like we kind of just need to get on the road um, and it's it's hard because it's really of course you probably could if if you prioritized it right but for some people it's like well I'd rather get a full night of sleep than mm. get up four hours early so we can go on this hike mm. um, and again I think it's the kind of thing where it's, it's so easy to say this I'm saying it very like as if it's the easiest thing in the world but it's very difficult to do but it, to actually communicate your priorities ideally ahead of time so that you say, Hey, so we're going to be in this area and I would really like to go to this place. Um, can, can, is there time for that? Can we make that happen? Yep. And then, but I, I, but you feel like in this case you kind of, you did say that and they just didn't hear it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I feel like I may not have said it with some genuine respect You know, I kind of had already had a relationship with these guys. Yeah. And I've written them off as people who don't listen to women. Right. So it's like when you come to somebody and you don't believe that they're going to hear what you're going to say.
0: Yeah.
1: How likely is it that they're going to hear what you're going to say? Right. You know, there might be some subtle attitude in my voice when I'm trying to talk to them. There might be just some, like, (laughs) non-confidence. that my message is going to get across so I word it in a different way than just saying like, I would love to see this amazing waterfall. Could we prioritize it? It's kind of like, well, I hope that there's time to go see this waterfall. You know, there are different ways that it comes across. I hear what you're
0: saying. Yeah. Yeah. I get that on a personal level that you're sort of on this path where you're kind of thinking about things differently and, and it seems really good for you. Culturally... I can't help but take some of it and, and just wonder where it... where you draw the line before victim blaming. Right? Because, like, when you're just talking about yourself, um, it's... it's certainly... it's obviously, like, helpful for you to feel less powerless, if, um, more powerful in a situation. It's It's... I can see it pretty much all good. But there is, I think, for someone listening there is this tendency where, like we hear someone blame themselves for a, for a thing that happened to them and then if we have also been the victim of that what we hear is oh so you're saying mm-hmm. that's my fault
1: mm-hmm.
0: so and and i can't help but c- just compare to like every time this is extreme admittedly but um as far as the comparison but like every time someone gets brutalized by the police and there's someone there to say, well, if you just complied, yeah, then yeah. it would have been fine. But you resisted arrest or whatever. Right. And I just think it's never happened to me. I mean, I've been arrested. I've never been, like, beaten by a cop. But I can't imagine how hard it is to comply when someone has got you in a chokehold or yeah. doing something that is life-threatening or just painful for you to just go limp and go with the flow like that's not right it's not your body's yeah. reaction to you know it's to resist of course it's to resist yeah. and it seems crazy it's one thing if like you know cops are pursuing a suspect of something and they they run away or you know like i get that they of course they're gonna chase them but to then like to shoot them or you know in the especially when they're in close quarters to I know you're obviously not arguing in favor of police brutality <laughs> or anything. Uh, I'm just, I'm making this connection, I guess. But but when you, when someone's got their their knee in your back, you don't have a lot of control over how you react. And if you do squirm and then people say, well, you, you resisted and yeah. then, so then you're going to get worse. And like, I just, I feel like what you're describing is understandable in terms of your own frustration with sexist mm-hmm. dudes like even if they're only mildly passively sexist
1: yep. <laughs> you're still well. talking
0: about sexism culturally and i get that it's helpful for you now to think of it from a different point of view but i'm curious both for myself and asking you as a question like where do you draw the line between blaming women for sexism mm. does that make sense
1: yes yeah um Well, I guess what the the details of my life that haven't been mentioned yet is that I've spent a lot of my time blaming everyone else for my poor situation, Mm -hmm. Um, and so part of my transformation is to look at my life and see where I could have believed in my opponent more, put more faith in the goodness of my perceived opponent. So, in this case, my bandmates were passively sexist. They're not actively right. sexist. Okay. Right. <laughs> they would say they respect women, um, but the real functionality of our group didn't really display that. And so
0: and these are, I'm guessing they're younger dudes. Um, like, kind of,
1: yeah, youngish. They're older than me, but, you know, not more than five years old. But, like, so, in their like 20s in their, yeah, or something? Yeah, we were all in our 20s. Yeah. And um, so, for me, um, I'm always, I'm now looking for times when I felt like a victim, when did I really just not put my good faith in this other person? And these are really mild life situations especially compared to police brutality sure this is sure. A, um, so like if they didn't hear me right did I just jump to the assumption that they never listen to women ever okay and yeah. do I am I um, fulfilling this prophecy of mine that they won't ever listen to me by acting negatively okay. and so for me personally it's all within the scope of did I live the best, truest to my heart at that moment? Cause I want, I do theoretically believe in everybody's goodness. And then practically I always get pissed at people for not
0: being good. <laughs> well, okay, this, I'm really interested in this conflict because I do not believe in everybody's goodness. And I guess what's interesting to me is while it sounds like you're on a spiritual path, that's very good for you. Um, when you ask whether you lived your truest uh, version of yourself, I wonder, but like, were they living their truest version? I mean, no, no. We
1: were both interacting <laughs> from our selfish egos. Right. And their selfish ego was uh, a happy go lucky selfish ego. Yeah. And my selfish ego was a uh, um, really pissed off, uh, budding feminist. Yeah. <laughs> Which, so that's why I'm saying this whole situation... Which doesn't happen in a
0: vacuum, is all I'm saying. Yeah,
1: this whole situation was very much learning experience. Yeah. Not at the time. At the time, it was the experience, and now I'm learning from it. Yeah, I get that. I get that.
0: And I guess my thought, because I'm... Obviously, I'm part of why I do this, because I'm interested in learning experience, and also what comes out in these stories that is instructive to someone listening, perhaps, right? It's like, Mm -hmm. I'm sure there are dudes. I mean, it's not just... When I say I'm sure, I mean, of course, most men are passively sexist, like, to the degree that they don't think about it. I mean, all men, really, to some degree, and some men more than others, but my assumption is that systems of oppression like racism and sexism, homophobia, transphobia, they are the default. They're what, in a in a culture such as ours, that's what you are until you resist that thing, and even when you start resisting you don't just you don't just immediately mm-hmm. you're not just cured <laughs> you mm-hmm. know like mm-hmm. it's a it's a long yeah drawn out process and um in some cases I think it never ends so then my thought is of course it's awesome that you're looking at this from a different point of view I'm also thinking from in terms of men hearing this I'm not interested in men being like, oh well she should have just like treated her opponent with more respect that's the real problem
1: Uh Uh uh-huh you know what i mean like
0: because i also feel like i don't know these guys obviously but when you're describing it i mean i guarantee you anyone listening any woman listening to this is like yeah we've all been in that situation (laughs) like a million times i mean i can't even tell you how many other people i've interviewed for this podcast other women who've said who've described almost exactly the situation that you're talking about in various different contexts, right? I mentioned earlier one friend Lindsay was talking about some sound guy who just like wouldn't listen to her with like the tuning of her drums, just, he didn't ruin the drums, but he just like, you know he just (laughs) wasn't interested in listening and it's a a constant thing and I think for any men who are committed to listening to women, part of that process has got to be catching themselves in their bad habits and sometimes the way you get there my hope is is by hearing someone else talk about it and then realize like oh yeah shit i've done that yeah so i'm i'm sort of arguing with you but sort of i think we're kind of it coming at it in terms of the same hope which is just like i hope that more men will take responsibility for not listening to women for their passive sexism mm-hmm. and realize that, that they're doing it and, and resist it and fight it so that they can be their truer selves as well, <laughs> so they can mm-hmm. treat people with respect, right? Though, of course, I also see your your point of, as far as for you personally, it sounds like you're getting something out of this other perspective than what you got before. Is that yeah. right?
1: So I, yes. I definitely had a steamroller personality for most of my life. So. Okay. <laughs> It is part of my personal path to take a step back and to look at how that's not the best way to get things done.
0: I hope we're still going to be friends. I liked your your steamroller personality. (laughs) I mean, I wouldn't have called it that, but but obviously I met you a long time ago and whatever you're looking to correct is still a thing that endeared you to me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs)
1: good to hear i just yeah i take i take responsibility for me and i also am trying to uh view these guys who are still alive
0: you know they're still real guys you didn't kill them (laughs) yeah you didn't didn't murder them at the end of the tour yes we are
1: you know (laughs) they did kick me out of the band
0: oh really (laughs) i was just for the slap for the slap vibe
1: Harsh in the vibe. Now, they the... didn't specifically say the slap, but they did say that you bring fiery, negative energy that was not really
0: that, that the way their the band words? was, was they used...
1: going. They didn't use fiery. They did okay. say negative. They did say kind of like, I don't remember the exact words, but like.
0: You're harsh in the vibe. Basically,
1: you're harsh <laughs> in the vibe, and we're not trying to take it there. They kicked me out, and then a couple weeks later, they were not a band anymore, but at least they got to kick me out and blame me for it. Oh, shit. But anyway, I was about to pardon them. (laughs) (laughs) But really, like, these are real human beings who have probably also grown immensely uh, in the past 10 years that it's been, almost 10 years that it's been since we've worked together. So in the interest of saying, like, I am definitely holding them accountable to their behaviors. Then I also feel like I don't know what their personal paths are and how far they have come in their lives. And maybe this tour was also a big lesson for them. And maybe they're oh. listening to this podcast right now and know that it's me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, you haven't said their names, but I said your name. Yeah. So yeah. you not... know my full name, <laughs> right? They do know. Okay, good. That's, that's, Yeah <laughs> I kind of wonder, now I'm just kind of thinking too about, so we're here in Ashland, Oregon, and I feel like, I've only been to Ashland a couple times, um, and I don't pretend to know the whole vibe, but there's a vibe <laughs> yeah.
1: that, I, that
0: I get, um, and I'm just going to, this is not to stereotype anybody, but I'm just giving folks, listeners, a little bit of a context. You guys were at a guided meditation, Atlantis. right? Atlantis. Wait, Ashlandis Ashlantis? The town. The town Ashla- is that's Ashlantis is the best. Okay, The okay.
1: yeah.
0: stereotypical one. Okay. <laughs> so I wonder I wonder if those dudes <laughs> are I don't know those guys. But my my guess would be that um you're pursuing a path that is unlike what they are probably pursuing right now? I don't know. I mean, I don't know either. I
1: just, I, I don't even know. I know that if they're still in New York City, they're probably not
0: <laughs> right. pursuing this
1: path. It's
0: pursuing a, it's it a different path. Staying in the city, yep. moving yeah. to Oregon, it's, very, yeah. it's a very different <laughs> yeah. thing. I was listening to, uh, do you know Donald Glover? Are you familiar? He's a musician. He's he's like this renaissance man right now. I'm, I'm one of my favorite cultural figures currently. He directs and stars in a show called Atlanta. He's a rapper who goes by the name Childish Gambino. And then, um, yeah, you've seen yeah. the video that they like yep. came out a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago. He also does stand-up. And I saw this stand-up that he did, I think it was like maybe a year or two ago. And he's talking about how if you talk to, if, like as a guy, if you talk to other guys, every guy has got a crazy girlfriend story. And there's just there's this way that men have of dismissing an entire relationship by just saying like oh man she's crazy, yes. and it's not that some people aren't crazy, including some women of course some people are kind of crazy and like that can be women and men but there's this way that men have of saying that that just erases that person's yeah. identity and the punchline which is not what I was getting to but I should mention is uh, he was he's starting to say like how come you don't hear as many like crazy boyfriend stories. (laughs) He's like, oh, because if you're a woman and you date a crazy guy, (laughs) you're (laughs) going (laughs) to die. Which is fucked, but unfortunately also very accurate. Um, But anyway, I was just getting at this thing of, I mean, when I'm talking to another guy and he just says, oh man, she was crazy. It just, it just... Sits so wrong with me. Where like I don't want to talk to that person anymore, you know. And I I wonder if these dudes out there somewhere, just their version of it is like, oh man, she was so angry, she's yep. just crazy. I don't know.
1: Oh for sure. And the thing the re- the what tells me that is how they wouldn't have any sympathy for me until I was crying, right? Until I was actually displaying more of the typical feminine like. Passive, passive expression of of whatever
0: is being sad is very different than being angry.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'd say sad is like contained in yourself, passive. Anger is very fire, external. I'm looking for a victim. I have a victim. So I was doing that for a week and a half straight, and they couldn't get. You know, they they didn't know how to decode that. Until it turned into this crying, oh, I just started my period, oh, right. and then I get the foot massages, <laughs> and then I get the, oh, where would you like to go for lunch
0: today? <laughs> well, so I'm just thinking about it. Part of it, right, is that because if you're sad and you're on your period, that's not their fault. Yeah. Right? They don't, yeah. they don't have to take any responsibility for that yeah that's something where they can console you because a thing is happening to you yep that's and not I would say them.
1: they're they're very in tune to that kind of thing. that's why I say they're very passive sexist, yeah. like unconscious sexist because they consciously respect women for all the pain they have to go through. they okay. just don't recognize it when it's happening
0: <laughs> well but again, and I'm, so i I guess the, the distinction that I'm making is like not just recognizing pain. But knowing when you are the cause of it <laughs> yeah. is a major yeah. distinction, right? Like, it's one yeah. thing if something just happens to you and you right. say, oh, I'm sorry that happened. Yeah. But if you're upset because I didn't listen to you for the last week, that's not a thing that happened to you. That's a thing I did. I mean, it's yeah. sort of like, I can't believe how many mainstream newspapers will say that, like, Palestinian people were killed. or Or I forget how, it's like... They don't say mm. Israeli snipers gunned down fifty people. they put it like this thing happened to they 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 died, and it's like <laughs> they just died <laughs> like, <laughs> that's, that's crazy. How did that ha- well yeah, there's a very clear reason that happened, but uh that kind of focusing on your passivity of like when you are just something that's happening to you. Mm-hmm. But then ignoring when you are yep. dealing with their their shit. Yeah.
1: Um
0: I think it's it's probably probably not conscious but probably a way of of avoiding responsibility.
1: Yeah. Or touching something that was completely scary to them from a distance, from a safe mm, distance. Right. Through this filter of, oh, this is an acceptable thing that happens to women. Right. And it explains why I was so uncomfortable this whole past week. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but that, I mean, that's got to be... Right, that's also super annoying, right? When, like, a, when a guy chalks everything up to a woman's period. Right, I mean, is that what, are you saying that's what they did, where like Um, then once
1: No, but I'm I'm feeling like if they're already afraid of conflict it's kind of relieving to have something non-personal to attribute it to and just kind of like not blaming them for not having the courage to go through it, you know, because they were just all having a good time on tour like all of them were having a great time on tour, and so you know, it's like There was this sticky situation that they really wished they could just wait until we got back to the city to deal with. And they didn't know how to deal with it. And then I put a label on it, and then that was very much more familiar for them. So, yeah, it's both. It's both a way to kind of take responsibility off of them. But, you know, if my personal issue is to start respecting other people's wants and and feelings in my life, that's what I'm working on. And maybe they're working on it in the same way but from a different angle so it's like maybe at that time they weren't working on that
0: right. and
1: who am i to ask them but i also i also think that you know you mentioned that this is very contextually relevant but i would say that it was that stormy time i mean it's still stormy now but a lot more has been said publicly about this issue since 2009
0: sure sure and so yeah. i think
1: that it was very much like Mirroring things that were going on all over the country and all over people's consciousnesses that has since come to a head and we're hearing about it and people are being, being able to share about it a lot more openly to yeah. get a lot of people's perspectives. Sure. So it's a learning experience in that sense too because I really do believe that these are good guys and that they, if they stayed in New York then they're definitely staying hip to what's going on. Cause you sure, have to, and
0: you know the dialogue and the. But you have to admit, some men are coming into the modern age, kicking and screaming. Yeah. And not just the yeah. worst, not the Harvey Weinstein's. I mean, of course yeah. they are, but I mean, much less terrible men, also, are so reluctant to change because they have a really good deal. You know, I mean, I mean, the root of all conservatism is, things are fine. I'm doing really well. Don't rock yeah. the fucking boat, yeah. right? And we're all conservative in some ways, you know. I'm, I'm not even just saying that as some kind of cuss word, but I'm saying all of us have things where we have the good end of the deal, and then it becomes like, do we either just passively try to enforce that, or do we examine it and say, oh, well, I have this really good deal, but you actually get the shit into of this deal, uh-huh. and my uh-huh. privilege adds to your oppression, Right, and most men don't want to do that. Most white people don't want to do that, and so, I mean, yes, I, I, of course, I agree with you about like things that happened recently that are inspiring, that are amazing as far as pushing that dialogue further. Um, you know, Harvey Weinstein was arrested this week, though he also got off on bail because it's very, very, very rich. But I wonder, I guess my experience has also been that as soon as the Me Too thing started, there were already men that were like, I feel like this has gone far enough. Like, as soon as it started, it was like right out the gate. And people were like, do you think we've gone too far, though? You know, like when the Aziz Ansari, I don't know if you followed that, do you know Aziz Ansari? Someone wrote an article basically about him being a douchebag on a date. And the thing is, he wasn't a rapist, he wasn't sexually assaulting anyone, but he was being a selfish douchebag. And then people acted like you shouldn't be able to say that because it automatically puts him in the same category as Bill Cosby and Harvey Weinstein. And that to me was crazy. Like, no, you can't. <laughs> he's a fucking public figure, and if he's gonna go on a date and like pressure a girl to have sex for, like, hours then she has every right to fucking talk about it. Why would yeah. you think that she can't talk about it? Or that this, that this magazine can't publish that? When, especially when the dude wrote a book called, I think it's called Modern Love or something like that, that's like about being a modern, hip person in relationships and then was a total asshole. <laughs> like, you know, All that is to say, as soon as it started, there were dudes that were like... Oh, okay 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 we got it look we already you already said it we can can we move can we change the subject now can, are we done and there are dudes who have taken this certainly as a opportunity to really reflect and even if you know even if you're not raping or sexually assaulting anybody there's plenty of fucking shit that every dude does that could be better and I'm stoked when, when I hear okay yeah this person's like thinking about ways that they've been shitty to women, maybe unintentionally, maybe just not very reflectively, but I feel like there's also a lot of men that are like, can I just, can I just stay the way I am? god. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Do I have to change? Fuck. Yeah. You know.
1: I think especially when it's the, the, uh, the offending behaviors are really passive and, and not 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 active things, like not behaviors right. to change, but more like behaviors you need to cultivate, like right. sensitivity and uh, communication skills. It's kind of like when you right. don't have those, you don't see um, the benefit of getting them. Mm. If, you, if you're doing fine, right. you know, if you're doing fine based on your um, privilege or whatever, right. exactly. then yeah, it's like exactly what you're saying. If you're not offending anyone by doing something active, it is hard to see Yeah. what it is that needs to be changed. Right. And I would say, like, everyone has different communication styles, and I think that um, even within men and within women, everyone has different styles. I would say that I've met just as many women who communicate like me as who don't um, on this wide spectrum from... Yeah passive to really direct. Yeah. And um, none of us are received very well.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right. But this is also, just to be to be honest, that, that's partly why I really resist the whole yin-yang masculine-feminine dichotomy way of looking at it, is because my experience is that some women are very passive, some men are very passive, some women mm-hmm. are very direct. There's lots of lots, I feel like the spectrum is massive and I'm not saying it doesn't map onto any kind of gender norms but I think those gender norms are very much cultural and I don't think of them as Mm -hmm. some like natural essence of men or women but just the way men are trained to be men and the Mm -hmm. way women are trained to be women and understandably some people take that training and say fuck off I'm not going to do that and then sometimes go the other way or somewhere somewhere in the middle of the spectrum or whatever Mm -hmm. um But, I mean, the trends that I see tend to be more, like, stereotypes to me, as far as, like, if you're raised being told this is what a straight white male is supposed to, how you're supposed to communicate, if you follow the example of your father, you know, whatever, like, you're gonna, you're more likely to turn out a certain way, not necessarily because of, um, the essence of your being, but because... You're learning by example i certainly agree with you about the recent events being inspiring and, and making real change i think it's amazing um i do think the major obstacle we have is that like i said i i think every privileged group tends to drag its heels you have you know you have certain outlying people that say oh this is a problem we need to we need to embrace this rather than fight it but uh, in our culture it does seem to be like most of the men most of the men are, are dragging their heels with Me Too and the Time's Up and with all these this mm-hmm. movement I think it was Frederick Douglass who said power yields nothing save where there is demand so the question is like how because women have been saying this forever but like in what situation what has to happen where they can demand it I think that's been the question mm. for me. Because like, if, if you can say something, but you don't have the power to enforce it, then you you can say it. But it's not really a demand.
1: Mm.
0: So I, I don't know. People like Ruth Bader Ginsburg being on the Supreme Court. Powerful women being in positions where their opinion isn't just their p- opinion, but holds some weight. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's really yeah all that can really change it I don't know. I'm just speculating at this point, but that's that's my thought yeah I th-
1: and not even it doesn't even have to be real women with power saying things important because in any media any women looking up to a media figure, even if it's a fictional character, that oh, fictional character right is being listened to on the TV show. Right. <laughs> if they are...
0: Revolutionary. Yeah. <laughs>
1: totally. <laughs> it's just like... Um, I'm in a production of Oklahoma... Okay. Um, ...here at the Oregon Shakespeare Festival. Awesome. And they have cast uh, two females as the lead roles... Okay. ...in a very traditional musical, Oklahoma. about right. Old school, 1906 Oklahoma yeah. settlers and everything. And so they have... Two female leads, they have two male secondary leads as couples, and um, I was just thinking about how every time I, we have this performance, it's always a toss up on how the audience is going to react, and you can tell if there are no laughs by a certain number. You know, you're like, oh, this is a tough crowd, <laughs> they're really <laughs> okay. uncomfortable. Um, right. <laughs> but every crowd has been on their feet at the end of the show, yeah, and so one of the things that I thought is that this is really great for people who are uncomfortable with this idea Mm -hmm. to see it completely normalized. This is, this is a very traditional story of people who are in love with each other, but can't admit it. And then they finally admit it and they get married. And that's very, you know, very normal story to have a same sex couple in this very normal story is a really great way to bring up this issue in a, way that people who are resistant to it will accept it because it's normalizing it yeah. and then the other side of the coin is that i'm thinking about all the student groups who are coming to this who are only 14 to 18 years old right and they're just this is a no normal thing for this them they don't even there. know that it should be weird <laughs> <laughs> right, right they
0: don't right. they it's... don't
1: have that perspective yet i
0: love that right. and so it's yeah. just so
1: amazing that they're just going you know and for people who identify with these these gender uh, roles or these gen, uh, sexual roles that they're, they're seeing somebody on stage who is not an exaggeration of their character. Right. Like, like a lot of media just have the extremely gay guy on right. their right. show or totally. the, you know, super hard ass feminist. And, you know, just to see like totally normal versions of right. all of these roles, yeah. I think, Is the same thing as having real-life people in those roles too, but I think media is even more powerful.
0: Yeah, that's interesting.
1: Because you can just make up the character that you want people to start emulating.
0: I would okay. I'm gonna disagree with you on that one. Okay, but I'm but I'm not (laughs) sure that I disagree with you. I'm just I'm sort of thinking with you here. So I'm I'm wondering about this because now just to clarify, in this one, so I I saw Oklahoma very long time ago, and I don't really remember. So you were sort of describing there's two people who are in love, but they are not supposed to be or something, and, and in, the, in this production, they're both men or both women?
1: They're both women, and then there's another couple that's also a side story Okay. that are both men.
0: Right. So I love the idea that, yeah, if you're 14 and you're seeing this, you might just be like, oh, Oklahoma, the... The story about the lesbian couple? Yeah. <laughs> <Right>? like, <laughs> like, that sounds awesome. I love it. Yeah. That. Um, my guess is, correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like, oh, so really I should ask this a question. Who's the, I guess, director, or I don't know if it's the director, who, who, whose decision was this?
1: Um, this was Bill Rauch's, uh decision. He okay. was the head of... He is currently, and is in next year's his final year as the uh, director of the Shakespeare
0: Festival. Okay. Um, Is he gay? Yes. So, my thought there was, and I was assuming what I just wanted to confirm, it takes people being in a position of power...
1: Mm, Yeah.
0: ...who can at least relate to the stories that are usually left out in order to tell those stories. Yep. Right. And it's not that it'd be impossible for a straight white dude to tell this to tell a story about gay folks. Of course, that's also possible. But the tendency has been that as long as Hollywood was all white men and mostly straight white men, uh, or closeted in any case, um, that the stories were mostly about. Yep. straight white men. Yep. Like, that's what we've had since the inception.
1: And their ideas of who women are and yep. what roles and they what, can play. What and what black
0: people are, yep. what Chinese Americans, what anybody else was, right? I just was talking to someone about Mickey Rooney in uh, Breakfast at Tiffany's playing the Chinese landlord. Wow. It's so fucking offensive. But it's <laughs> yeah. like... And, like, that shit got done so much. And, like, not as far back... as we'd like to think. You know, just playing a total character of, like, the Chinese land, this older Chinese man, you know. It's so offensive, but uh, it's so typical. And so, my guess was that probably the director was gay or female Mm -hmm. or both. Having a situation where Jordan Peele is making movies where Mm -hmm. not just gay folks, but gay folks who can be out publicly are making movies, directing plays, you know. Mm-hmm. I feel like that is still about real-world yeah. power. Yeah. Um, though, of course, in terms of how we as artists and creators, how we see ourselves and our work in the world, I think I totally agree with you. Like, that's massive. Like, are you going to use your voice to show something that's just already... A stereotype, or are you gonna just show something that's a little more interesting that maybe some people can like relate to, who mm-hmm. don't normally see themselves? Did we even get to everything in the story? I don't even know. We we obviously pretty much diverged a while ago from, yeah. <laughs> from the story, which tends to happen.
1: Yeah, um, it, it was it was a really great tour.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I promised you beforehand that you would have a chance to contextualize it as much as you needed to to, to make the complexity
1: <laughs> yes. clear
0: do you feel like you feel like you were able to do that
1: yes okay good and I also appreciate that you made a clarification point that I'm not victim blaming I'm doing my own personal work that's appropriate for me in my experience and not just doing the thing where that I very much heard yeah. Where you just you can't be heard. You can't be heard. So I guess it's your fault. Right. So think something that could really help. I don't know who is attributed to this. Okay. <laughs> don't believe everything you think.
0: Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I know George Clinton said it, but no. I, don't, I don't think it, I don't know if it's his originally. Ancient wisdom. Ancient wisdom. <laughs> you're, you're your ass and your. This episode of Worst Show Ever was made possible by the Patreon pledges of Dorana Fryman, Meg Roberts, Christina Poez, and Evan Quayberg. If you'd like to support this endeavor, please go to patreon.com slash worst show ever.